Our reading this morning comes from the rabbi Harold Scholvies. I believe that's how he pronounces it. The last word has not been spoken. The last sentence has not been written. The final verdict is not in. It is never too late to change my mind, my direction, to say no to the past, to say yes to the future, to offer remorse, to ask and give forgiveness. It is never too late to start over again, to feel again, to love again, to hope again. Roughly 26 centuries ago, as the early books of the Hebrew Bible were being composed and the first mentions of these high holy days and of Yom Kippur were being written, there were principles of forgiveness and atonement and self-examination that were being described that are followed all these many centuries later and that I believe many of us could learn from in our own spiritual lives. There are rituals described for the priest and for the community and a preparation leading up to the Day of Atonement where we were to look inside ourselves, find a place of holiness. In the, in the translation and interpretation of Arthur Waskow, he talks about reads the text as saying, depress our egos. Silence those voices that tell us how we ought to look and how we want to be for the outside world and rather look inside for our own wrongdoing, for those ways in which we might have harmed ourselves or harmed others or somehow closed off the pathway between us and all that we hold to be sacred. And when that process of, of, of inner examination was concluded and it came to the day of Yom Kippur, there were rituals and there continue to be rituals that I would probably describe incorrectly if, if I tried. But one of them included an action by the priest who would place his hands over the heads, over the head of a goat and, and lay onto the head of that goat the sins, the wrongdoing of the community and that escape goat would carry, would lift the burden from the community and carry it as it wandered into the wilderness. This is a powerful idea. This is a powerful ritual. This, this, this hope, and it is a sign of hope. Even though sometimes... It might feel like saying we're sorry or, or focusing on, on those things that 
those spaces where we might be at fault, all of that can feel so hard and it can feel never ending. And yet this, there's this possibility of having that be lifted so that we can clear these pathways so that we can heal and move forward with, with greater clarity. As these words and these notions kept being refined over the centuries, there came to be a moment where new rituals were added, where the priest would begin by speaking his own sins to the community. On many Sundays, when I share with you those things that I struggle with, the places where I have learned hard lessons in my life, I don't particularly use the language of sin, but I share those things with you because we are all human. And my prayer as I share those things, my prayer is that we can all continue to learn from one another and not be afraid of where true healing can take us. And in the story of the Ziz, the, the story of how it's not, we have to do, we have to search in all wrong places perhaps, or we have to search in all the things that seem like easy answers before we can come to, to what's really inside. And when we get to that point, we have to, according to this, we have to not just say, I'm sorry, but to actually seek forgiveness. And not just seek forgiveness, but do what is in our power to do to make things better. So it is a deep, continuum. There are in the writings this notion that, that if I wrong you and I seek your forgiveness, you are under no obligation to forgive me. And if I ask you three times and you three times are not yet ready to forgive me, then I can go perhaps to a space of greater understanding and ask for forgiveness. But I have to make things right. I have to make things right. Do what I can to make things right with those I have harmed. At least once a year. <laughs> but maybe on a more frequent basis. Dear ones, this week I struggled with watching the 18-year-old brother of Botham Jean asked for permission in a courtroom to hug the former police officer who murdered his brother. You probably know this story. I'll just give you the, the, the quick you know the, 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 the quick details about it. Amber Geiger, Officer Amber Geiger, was an officer with the Dallas Police Department. 
And according to her testimony, she came home one night, although in fact she came to the wrong apartment. She came to the apartment that was above hers. And she found the the door ajar. And she says in her testimony that she saw this large menacing shape coming towards her. And that she asked this shape, show me your hands, and that the person didn't but kept coming. And she drew her revolver and shot and killed 28-year-old Botham Jean, who was eating ice cream and watching TV in his apartment. Mr. Jean is black. His family is from the nation of St. Lucia. Officer Geiger, who was fired from the Dallas Police Department, is white. Forensic evidence shows that the bullet traveled downward. So the chances are he was sitting when this happened. And post-trial disclosures showed that some of her social media showed tremendous racial animosity. But in that courtroom, in that courtroom, when she received a 10-year sentence, the younger brother of the victim said, if you are truly sorry, I forgive you. And he asked the judge if he could hug Miss Geiger. And he did. And according to the coverage of, of, all, of all of this, there were many folks in tears in the, in the courtroom, including the judge. And I will tell you, I did not find tears in my eyes when I, when I read all of this. I, I struggled with this. Because, you see, while I have no doubt in my mind that many lives were ruined in that moment, she did not ask for forgiveness. And I'm nobody's judge, right? It's not for me, and I wasn't there. But I noticed that, and I thought about that. And I thought, in, in this path toward healing, to say I'm sorry is not enough. To say I'm sorry I thought it was my apartment is not enough. To say I'm sorry I never intended to kill an innocent man. And that's truth. I, I believe that. But I also know from my long experience, because I'm, I'm someone who was, as I suspect some of you were, I was, I was trained and taught to take the blame for things that weren't my fault. I was not treated particularly well as a child. And I carried with me a sense of it must be my fault. 
I carried with me a kind of I'm sorry that, that w- went on a continuous loop. And it may be that Miss Geiger is on that, is carrying that loop herself. But that, that didn't lead to my healing. That didn't lead to my, it never led to my understanding of what, if anything, I had done wrong. What I needed to clear up and reflect on. And yet somehow, in both in my culture, in the culture in which I was raised, where women were expected to do the majority of the emotional work, and in my generation, right? We, w- we were supposed to be the more charitable ones, the more Christian ones, uh, and, and even to stay with abusive spouses and forgive them. So this, today's message isn't about forgiving others. It's about seeking forgiveness. But I did, I did want to share that. So I bring us back to this piece of our own journey forward as individuals and as a community. I have a friend and, and colleague who I deeply admire. Her name is uh, Karen Carlo, Reverend Dr. Karen Carlo. She's a Christian theologian. She is a white woman, and she is a former police officer. And she wrote a powerful blog post this week, which I'm happy to share to anyone, with anyone who would like to see it. And she gave me permission to share some of your, her words with you this morning. And she says, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I'll tell you who he was if you don't know in a minute, quoting Adam Clayton Powell says, to seek forgiveness without true repentance is cheap grace. That's kind of a harsh term, but it's accurate, isn't it? Cheap grace is I want to make it better. I don't want you to be mad at me anymore. Anybody ever do that? I'll raise my hand. Cheap grace enables us to maintain our illusion of innocence, but it doesn't enable us to grow and move forward. And the reason to move forward, the rainbow or the pot of gold at the end of that process, the reason to move forward is to heal ourselves and one another. To clear these pathways that keep us from being being our best selves. To see more clearly, and sometimes this can take a long time. You know, it's not like you, you know, clap your hands or, 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 or turn on a, a, a light switch and it just happens. Our own faith tradition of Unitarian Universalism doesn't use the language of sin and doesn't actually much talk about repentance. 
because many of us who come into this faith have been scarred by those words. And I know I'm taking a risk in some ways by bringing them up. But our faith calls us into covenant, just like the ancient Israelites were in covenant with their holy, with their holy God. Our faith calls us into covenant, and not if, but when we break covenant, when we cause harm. We are called to remain at the table with one another and make things right. We are called to do that process of internal examination, to find a space of being genuinely sorry, of repentance, asking forgiveness, and then changing our behavior. Latham Jean's mother quietly said after all of this had played out that she prayed, this is a family that is deeply steeped in their faith, she prayed that Miss Geiger would come to really think about what had happened, perhaps during her time in prison, and come to a place of understanding and recognizing what she had done and that that, that could help her find peace. I don't want her punished. I don't want me punished. I don't want either one, any of us to be punished. I want us to heal. Amen. Ashe. And blessed be. Thank you, dear ones. We have a special benediction this morning, which Kim and DJ are going to help us with. So we are going to take turns, the three of us, saying particular uh, thought, expressing thoughts, and we want you to respond. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. Let's try that together one time. I I forgive forgive myself. myself. I forgive forgive you. you. We begin again in love. For all the times it would have been a good idea to speak up and we were silent. I forgive forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For each time we have been deceitful and been misleading in word or deed. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For each time we have been afraid and gotten angry with others instead of saying, I'm scared. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For each time we've been stubborn and persisted in foolish habits or failed to acknowledge our ability to change. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For each time we have envied someone and grown unmindful of the blessings which are already ours. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. 
for each time we have said or done mean things for no good reason. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For each time that our selfishness has made us forget the needs of others. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For falling short of being the very best that we can be. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. For forgetting we are all part of one family. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. And finally, for those and for so many things, big and small, that make it seem as though we are separate. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We begin again in love. Thank you.